0: Welcome back to The Theory Truth. I'm your host, Renton Love. And once again, I got my best bud in the entire world, TJ, back on the show. What's up, man?
1: Hey, how you doing, man? Awesome.
0: Awesome. So TJ had an excellent idea uh, last week about doing a podcast on failed relationships or kind of just romantic relationships in general, but the, uh, the start of it was failed relationships. Uh, I think it's a good idea, man.
1: Yeah, you know we all go through them, right? So uh, it's a pretty universal uh, experience in totally. one way or another.
0: Totally. Awesome. Well, let's. I think I like how we've been starting um, recently with kind of defining things, and so I'll start on this one. But just the importance of, and we're speaking about romantic relationships here. If I didn't say that already, so I think the importance for me, or kind of like the definition of a romantic relationship. You and I are both married. I'm married to my to my wife. Um, you're married to yours. <laughs> <laughs> I'm um, not married the, to yours. <laughs> no, not, no, not yet. Maybe one day. We'll see. <laughs> um, the importance to me of romantic relationships. When I was younger, I don't know what it was. You have just have a drive, I think, as a guy to be connected to someone. I think there's a lot that goes into that. But for me, there's always been wanting to be with someone, feeling safe. I think uh, to get a touch deeper, just off the bat, too. For me, I always had a fear of, or I didn't feel like, I think it was the fear of being alone, but I felt stronger with someone. So it was a lot easier for me if I was in a relationship to like, kind of deflect questions from myself onto them. So it was kind of like a safety net as well, if that makes sense. Definitely. So yeah. And then we, I mean, just the vast majority of people, it's like research scientifically proven that people like strive to be close to each other and to have relationships. What about you? Oh, I
1: mean, I agree. I think, uh, you know, it's kind of a, instinctual or evolution based, you know, people needed to not only be part of groups and then larger societies, but on a more base level, um, having a partner, um, there's a sense of security in that you've got someone to be your, your number two, someone to have your back, someone to share all your, uh, your struggles and your triumphs with, right? So it's, it's having that interconnectedness, um, on some level, interdependence or attachments, uh, that we desire, I think subconsciously as much as consciously. Um, I think the way we're raised and our um, you know, the experiences we go through life will also kind of play into how incredible that desire can become. I think some mm-hmm. people have a greater desire, whereas some people maybe it's a little more downplayed. Uh but yeah, I think uh, especially special romantic relationships, we need that physical connection. Um, which cause again it usually romantic relationship involves a physical connection. It's just more it's more than just having someone to talk to. It's you have someone you can spend your time with. Mm-hmm. So yeah, relationships are, are important, um, our importance. Know, Undeniably so, but definitely on a psychological level, um, they, they affect us deeply.
0: Mm-hmm. I like that you brought up like three good points there. I like the conscious and subconscious, how we kind of seem to desire that from both of those areas. Uh, also too, I didn't even think about it, but like just as the base, like biological, like evolutionary, like partner, procreate, all that jazz. But that's kind of the initial and pushback if you feel like it. Um, The initial, like building block, building block of societies, you know, because societies typically are put together to kind of promote the group or the species that it's in, you know, and then kind of the I'm base sure. of that is procreating. Obviously, yeah, interesting point. I like that.
1: Yeah, the you know society, governments, all that stuff starts with each individual family unit, and then growing those units together, and then overseeing those units and can make sure they continue to grow. <laughs> because mm-hmm. without families you know we would uh, cease to exist as a, as a civilization as a society as a species
0: <laughs> yes we would or at least we'd fix our overpopulation problem
1: i mean at least for a little while very <laughs> <laughs> little bit
0: um so i think today it's a good thing you brought up about focusing on uh like quote unquote failed relationships which i think you and i would both kind of push back on that title more generally because failed if you're for me if you're learning from something well Yes, the relationship did fail. You're kind of bringing these lessons, mistakes, these things you've learned. I know I do into your next relationship. So it's not really a failure if you're kind of building on it and we'll have to go through things. But I like the focus being on relationships that didn't work out or haven't lasted uh, up until this point.
1: Well, I I almost started to think there's, um, I mean, I guess it depends on how negatively you're taking the word fail. But, you know, Mm -hmm. I believe that success comes through failure. You know, we got to fail over and over again to succeed. So it's not failure in a, in a way where it's like it should never have happened or um, I wish it didn't. It's just, it was something like you said, didn't succeed. Um, but if it wasn't for that, realistically, I wouldn't be where I am today. Um, which for both of us is a you know, pretty good place. Um, totally. You know, not everyone can say that. Some people go through failed relationships and continue to have failed relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a different story. But yeah, you definitely need to have failures in your life to, um, to grow.
0: Well, absolutely. I think... That was such a weird lesson for me to learn because I was focused on trying to be successful and I always shied away from failing at everything, relationships included. Um, yeah. But like you just said, really, it's going to sound super cliche, but you have to like fail a thousand times to be successful. And kind of for me, the, like what it really has made my life better is the failures, like just embracing them and maybe not enjoying them, but it's like just knowing it's part of the process so it's almost like failure and success. Like the emotion towards both is nearly the same because it's all part of the process. Had to fail a hundred times to get Definitely. to the success. I got this success here, but I'll have to fail many times to get to another success. So kind of, it, it, at least for me, evens out my emotions. Go ahead.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, which is almost a scary thing in and of itself. That's why a lot of people avoid relationships um, mm-hmm. or at least get new ones is because, uh you know there's a huge chance of failure and failure is scary and it often um you know comes with other sensations like pain and suffering that uh, mm-hmm. we have to go <laughs> through but uh-huh. we have to go through them if we want to truly grow you you can't see true personal growth without uh experiencing at least some failure
0: mm-hmm. have you taken from your previous relationships and I'll turn this question on myself as well have you taken lessons mistakes things you've learned and brought them into your relationship now?
1: Um, somewhat, uh definitely some of my own. Um, definitely some through therapy. <laughs> oh yeah, nice. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times we don't we don't realize that even um, you know, I've had I've had situations come up where once I really analyze what's going on, I realize that I'm behaving a certain way um due to what I learned in the past. So whether we attribute it or not, I think um even if it's on a conscious level. The mistakes we make, especially when they're as impactful as really bad failed relationships, uh, they will mold our decision-making, our thought processes going into future ones, whether we know it or not. Totally. Um, can I jump in real quick? A part. Yeah, go please.
0: Did you say trust is a huge part? Yeah. Trust is huge. Do you have, and I'll give you one real quick so you can think, do you have a specific example of something where like something is happening now and you've brought in something from a past relationship. And like you were saying, you had to analyze and realize what you were doing
1: uh, on some levels. Yeah. I mean, uh, pretty much with the trust issue, um, you know, I, I fully oh, trust yeah, my yeah. wife mm-hmm. and, and out loud, I would be like, yeah, I would trust her in my life. I would trust her to do anything. I, I you know, I have no doubts or fears consciously that something's going to happen. Um, but I know, for example, when, you know, when we do get in arguments, um, I'm beginning to now realize when I talk out with my therapist that, uh, a lot of the ways i respond and my coping mechanisms come from a level of distrust and more so fear in the um, thought that uh, my trust might be misplaced
0: oh can you can you give an example or no and you don't have to if you don't
1: um i don't often give an exact example um mm-hmm. but basically if if i'm a if i'm feeling invalidated or afraid that um you know my my feelings aren't being heard um i see that as a way of um similar it parallels to ways I felt when I was in a very damaging relationship
2: yes but mm-hmm.
1: so because of the, totally. the parallel feelings um it brings back this self-defense mechanism to shut down or to overpower or to uh, do the things that I do in those situations um that at the time I'm not realizing it but when I really look back and analyze it's like okay yeah that's coming from me being even though I fully trust my wife that's coming from me being scared of losing her
0: mm-hmm. totally that's a, thank you for showing that example, by the way, for me, there's definitely, so what I've brought in or had brought in before, which the same thing I analyzed with my therapist and with Sam and I kind of, uh, my wife kind of broke it down together was people react in different ways. So Sam would react in a way to me, either like pushing back or having a certain, like, even just like a look on her face. And in my head, I knew in quotations I knew what she was thinking, but yep. that wasn't the case. But the, like the knowledge I thought I knew I was bringing this in from prior relationships. So I was like, oh, she said it's fine, but it's obviously not fine. You know? And then I had to like break it down. She's like, no, no, no. When I say the words, it's fine. It's literally fine. And this yeah. looks on my face for X and Y reasons, you know, but that was definitely something I brought in. That wasn't like, if you just put us in a vacuum, I wouldn't have thought anything of it, but I yeah. brought that in because of prior experiences.
1: Oh, yeah uh mind reading is a you know a thinking error and that's something that i suffer with big time
0: yeah i, I uh, like yeah. that mind, re- mind reading is a thinking error
1: so uh you know and i i struggle with that too and again it's it's not nothing that my wife made me do um it's just something that past experiences have led me to do and unfortunately because i've been right a lot of times it mm. invalidates my skill my superpower yeah. <laughs> Which unfortunately is very much fallible. It's very, yes. uh, very much not accurate.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> that's funny. You have know, one, two things. You're like, yes, I'm right. I'm right 100% of the time. Yep. Never wrong. I for sure know what everyone is thinking in their head.
1: And that gets you in big trouble.
0: <laughs> totally. Oh, that's good. Let's see. So speaking about family relationships and bringing stuff in, what is the biggest lesson, if you have one, that you've learned from either prior relationships or analyzing prior relationships that you bring into your uh, your relationship now.
1: Um, I think why one of the biggest lessons I would say, even going into my current relationship, is uh, the the need to not need to be fully you know interdependent. You know, it's good to be. Wait, what you do know, you mean?
0: Break it down. So interdependent is relying on each other, correct? Yes. Because inter, okay.
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, you need some level of interdependency to coexist, um, but you also need to be your own person. Yes. Uh, you need to be okay with yourself. You need to, um, trust yourself, rely on yourself and also be okay with the other person being themselves and not always be exactly who you want them to be. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, coming from a relationship where the person I was with, uh, yeah, codependent, another word for it. Definitely. Um, Coming from a relationship where I was, you know, with someone that was definitely not who I wanted them to be and was definitely not good for me Mm. and wanting to control that because I was so needing to be with that person in my mind Mm. um, made me realize, like, I need to be my own person and be okay with myself before I can truly connect with someone else. And when I do connect with them, I need to still allow them to also be their own person, Mm -hmm. which is still a hard struggle, honestly, even after 10 years with the same person.
0: Totally. That's what I was kind of getting at earlier when we were kind of breaking down like the importance of relationships to us, where for me it was, I kind of felt like I wasn't a full person definitely back then, maybe a little bit now, but definitely back then. Um, And so I needed this other person where it's like, Hey, I'm worthy is probably a good word for I'm worthy because look, I have this person with me, she's doing this and I'm doing this. And then look at us together. It was super hard for me to put myself under like the magnifying lens and really yeah. look at myself.
1: And honestly, some of that might come from, you know, our somewhat similar, uh, familiar upbringings mm, uh, I, I feel like both of us kind of disconnected from our family at a fairly early age because mm. of differences in beliefs and, and all that. So there, I feel like there's almost a need to then start your own family. So you have, because we need family, people need it, whether they admit it or not, you have a an inner desire to have your people, right? So if you, lose your, your growing up family, or if you're no longer feeling a connection to them, you have a deeper desire than to be connected with someone else. Um, and in some cases it means you connect to the person who is not good for you. And in some, some cases it means you connect to someone that you may not be good for them, mm-hmm. <laughs> but because you, you feel like you need it so bad, you, uh, attach to that situation that isn't good for you. And you put too much effort into something that will end up in disaster.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So speaking of damaging relationships, let's talk about betrayal and loyalty. So you and I come from, we both had kind of long-term relationships and we came from kind of two sides of the coin. I'll share with my side and then feel free to share yours. I was not faithful to a longtime girlfriend of mine. And this was multiple times that happened, happened uh, multiple times and was over multiple years. And so that to me is uh, betraying someone, betraying someone's trust, betraying what you've promised to do, the kind of the sanctity of a relationship, you know, even at, cause these were, this was at a younger age. Um, so even at a younger age, so for me, that's one of, to kind of tie into my question a moment ago, about kind of one of the biggest things that I've brought into my relationship from past relationships was definitely that experience. Cause I knew after doing that, how much you could hurt someone or betray someone. And that was something I never will do ever again. And this also kind of ties into. Fears I had when I was younger, because I didn't feel strong enough or I didn't feel worthy enough to break up with a person. So then, therefore, I could go kind of do what normal teenager, young adult men would do, you know, normal quotations, yeah. <laughs> um, So, yeah, that kind of of ties a lot together. But so I definitely betrayed someone I was very close to. And that's one of the biggest things like that sits very heavy in my heart, even up to this day. So, yeah.
1: Well, you know, the the psychology of of doing a betrayal, leading up to it, and then what you do after it seems really interesting to me. Because, I mean, like you said, uh, afterwards and now going into your current relationship, you know how much damage it does. Uh, and leading up to it, you're like you said, you're, you didn't feel strong enough to leave. So you were willing to do it while in the relationship. And you said it lasted years. So that means even after it was done, you still didn't feel strong enough to leave. So there is some sort of level of either you had enough feelings for the person you were with to not want to hurt them
2: mm-hmm.
1: or a comp- maybe a combination of fear of being alone again.
0: Mm-hmm. Definitely, fear of, of
1: fear of hurting them. So, it, it's, I'm not sure it, it can be entirely saying that you love them too much to hurt them, or entirely that you love yourself too much to deal with the, the drama of what's going to happen with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it's got to be an interesting uh, situation mentally to be able to go through that. And it is awesome that you're saying you, I've learned this and you would never do it again because most people who are willing to be promiscuous tend to continue to be willing mm-hmm. to be promiscuous. Um, mm-hmm. I would say, on average.
0: Um, Can I jump in real quick? Yes, please. It's super interesting because so like the betrayal itself, there's kind of in my head, like a breaking of the seal. The first time is like this really big event, you know, and you feel really bad about it and you kind of go through all these emotions and whatnot. And then like you're saying, kind of what you do after once kind of the seal is broken in that regard, it's much easier to do it again, you know? And then especially, I think what happened for me, Is my emotions, this is not to make any excuses, were so kind of numbed down at that point in my life where I was able to get over that initial betrayal that I did. And then so the subsequent ones were easier to do. You know, so got to a point where it was almost normal, which sounds weird. But then going back on it, because I've really analyzed it and fully felt the emotions that I didn't even fully feel back then, that's when I really like felt the gravity of the situation and the gravity of the actions. I did.
1: So I'm curious. If You don't mind me asking. um, Ask away. uh, So you say it got easier to do. Was it easier to justify it or easier to ignore it?
0: A little bit of both. Definitely, I'd say more so justify. Because the basic thought is, hey, I've already done this. So it's already fucked. You know, like just like I've already dirtied this relationship. So if I do it again, it doesn't change anything. It's just the same. And so so, like
1: each, each uh, act of betrayal had diminishing value as far as impacts on what was happening. Yes. Yes. That's an
0: excellent way to put it. The ignoring, the ignoring thing is interesting because I think, so there's kind of like two things going on. So it got easier to, the feelings kind of were the same for a while. So like I said, the first one's kind of the bigger event. That's kind of when the emotions are more, more heightened. I would say. And then they do diminish over time, but then eventually, and I was going through, I I ended up going through a personal journey in general, but definitely through therapy. That's what brought on more, but there definitely was a point where it was kind of easier to ignore for a minute, but it got to a certain point where it was kind of so big, you couldn't ignore it. Yeah. Does that make sense? So like, I'm like, Uh I like, I like doing visual things. So like putting that situation in a room. And so the first one, you close the door and it's just something behind the door. And then eventually you keep putting situations back there. And then eventually the door is like bursting at the seams.
1: You got a full room. <laughs> yeah, the room is full. <laughs> yeah, that, that makes it hard to ignore, definitely. So that, that's yeah. interesting. I was, I was curious about that. Because mm-hmm. I could see how it could be a level of both. Um, you know, because obviously, especially, you know, us growing up in conservative homes, I'm sure, especially the first time you felt a huge level of guilt. Uh, you know, that conscious, that little angel on the shoulder, right? Because I know anytime mm-hmm. I did anything bad, guilt would eat away at me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've got stories of being a kid, like breaking a stereo and then like having to tell my parents, it was me because I felt so guilty.
2: Yeah. That's so I itch. can imagine
1: though, the, the more you do it, the more you got into it. Like you said, putting it behind the door, um, mm-hmm. at least for a while, it made it easier to do because it was already done. Mm-hmm. So that is, that is interesting. Um, also curious because, um, as you talk about, you know, it come from both ends of this is, you know, my relationship, uh. On and off again for about four years, I was cheated on a lot mm-hmm. <laughs> over a period of years, mm-hmm. and not in a way where like it happened and then after that many times I found out, but I was finding out as it was going on through the years. So, mm-hmm. um, which is a whole different uh experience.
0: Totally, it's the other side of the coin.
1: Yeah, because I mean betrayal, betrayal. I think betrayal was damaged to both parties, realistically. Mm-hmm. like you said, you you felt it, and um, and I'm sure you didn't feel great during the time period and. Uh, and all that stuff.
0: Well, for me, if I, I may mean, just supplement your port real quick, um, it dirtied me as well. And so, you know what I mean? So it was like, my this action is bad and dirty. Now it's dirty relationship. I'm dirtied as well because of what I've done.
1: I mean, you're, you're arguably a good person, Brent. you know? Thank you. And before that, you were, you know, people saw you as this gentleman. So I can see how doing something that you would know is innately a bad act would make you feel less than. You feel like maybe your worth as a human being, your worth as a partner uh, would go down, which I mean, that maybe that plays into why you would stick around too. Mm -hmm. you know, if if you do end up having to leave that person, now you are, you have this self-imposed label of I cheated. I I might be a cheater now. So who's going to want to get in a relationship with me?
0: That is an excellent point.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to, do you want to talk about the fear of why you stuck around first or?
0: Yeah, we'll go, we'll go into mine and then we'll do yours. So it's interesting. There's definitely, from what you were just saying, kind of, I felt dirtied and therefore, like, who's going to be in a relationship with someone who's dirty? You know, kind of a subconscious thought. Um, it's so, this is the point I was going to make. It's so interesting because it's easier to kind of continually hurt someone, even if they're not finding out, than to go through the pain of breaking up with someone. And especially at that time, you know, I mean, God forbid, like I never, ever plan on divorcing my wife, but if her and I got to a place where we needed to separate, I feel very confident that we'd be able to have that conversation and we'd go through that pain for the betterment of both both parties, Yeah, you know, but back then, I mean, that wasn't even on, I was so gripped by the fear of doing it, just the event itself, just the breaking up itself that I literally would string things along just so I wouldn't have that conversation. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Would you say, um, you know, now now having it been years and years in the past, um, from my perspective, I, I would think that would come mainly from and it, obviously at the time, not a conscious level, but a subconscious level, I think that would mainly come from almost a selfish act. You mm-hmm. know, uh, yes. Mm-hmm. it's at the time you're probably justifying is I don't want to hurt them, I don't want to put them oh, yeah. through this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can imagine looking back, it's like, okay, I, I did that for me, I didn't want to go through that pain because that pain goes both ways. I didn't want to have her be upset with me and I don't want to be alone after the fact. Mm -hmm. So I I would think that the people that cheat and then stay with them longer is more so, uh, something for themselves versus their partner.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. That's a great distinction. Totally what it is.
1: Interesting. Yeah. Um, so that, so you would say that pretty much sums up why you, uh, you stuck around as long as you did. Yeah, I'd say so.
0: There's just, there's obviously a bunch of factors. There's definitely the like the guilt factor and then trying to like, hey, I messed this up. So I need to fix it type of a thing. That's actually, you owe it to them. Exactly. That's kind of an interesting point, too. These things are so complicated, of course. uh, But like, kind of like, I messed it up. So I really need to do it right or I need to be with this person because I owe them something because I've hurt them, you know? That's interesting, too. And that's kind of to go back into the selfish thing as well. That's kind of like, it's actually exactly what it is that it's selfish because instead of me looking at myself, hey, I need to separate and fix myself. It's like no, no, no. I need to stay and fix them. It's projecting my stuff onto the partner. Yeah, yeah.
1: I can definitely see that. I mean, I think I think the very act of cheating generally. Uh, I mean, obviously you could say it's a selfish act, but I'd say mm-hmm. because of the fact that you know you could easily, easily just leave someone to have your extra. Yeah. relationship there right mm-hmm. you could if you really want to be with someone else you could have that conversation before you do it but mm-hmm. we you know I would think generally people uh, self-justify by saying well I don't want to hurt them or I love them too much and I'm not ready to leave I'm just doing this little thing it's not gonna be a big deal or you know any one of a million reasons why someone might do the act in the moment um, but then staying after the fact 100% would be just a like you said no I, I need to take care of them now because i i screwed it up for them like mm-hmm. so i'm gonna i'm gonna not put the pain on them um that's why i think a lot of people also avoid even admitting truths of betrayal what do you mean uh you know not everyone finds out right away right um mm-hmm. so sometimes you know I, i've talked with people that are in relationships where they like you know they confided to me that you know i i cheated on so and so um but i don't want to tell them because i don't want to hurt their feelings i don't want to you know i don't want them to freak out about it and they make it sound like they're not telling them for the sake of their partner
2: yeah Mm -hmm. yeah
1: when in reality it's like you're you're just not willing to man up or woman up to what you did Mm -hmm. um and giving them the opportunity to say okay if you really do want to be with them which i think generally speaking they don't you know some people do make mistakes and they stick together and they fix things and it goes better not saying all the time but you know obviously if you're cheating multiple times you don't want to be in that relationship anymore you're just you're just making up excuses to not end it. Mm-hmm. Um, so not being willing to tell the truth is another thing that I think people do self-justifying for their partner. But in reality, again, it's just another selfish act because you don't want to go through the pain you're going to have to go through to cause that pain to them.
0: Yes, it's the exact same frame of mind and way of thinking. I agree.
1: It's messy. Like you said, though, it's not it's not black and white either. There are a lot of other things involved. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, and it, it all. Go ahead. Sorry. I would say if if you truly, let's say you did, you you made a mistake once Let's say you were, you're a blackout drunk yeah Yeah. Screw up. And you, you slept with someone. I mean, if you could, if you knew if you were a future teller and you knew like it'll never happen again, um, I'm going to be able to treat this person with love and respect and blah, blah, blah. Maybe, maybe you could make the argument, but even then I feel like the guilt would eat at you. So then you would treat them differently. And, and most likely it'll happen again, (laughs) you know? Um, The only way that would not hurt them is if you could somehow guarantee to the universe that it truly was never going to happen again. And it wasn't going to affect your relationship going forward, which mm -hmm. I think would be, uh, uh, you'd be fooling yourself.
0: Definitely. There's this whole conversation. Of course, there's a ton of, it depends on, so there's a bunch of different scenarios and whatnot you can go through talking about mine specifically, kind of the frame of mind, the selfishness that fits my scenario for sure. You could definitely have some types that are and you could see, I mean, that type of thing will affect the relationship no matter what. And it's kind of the question of if I would say both parties truly want to move forward with what's happened still. Yeah. You know what I mean?
1: But again, that means honesty needs to come out. Yes. True honesty, not mm-hmm. only with what happened, but how do you feel about it? You know, is, what was the reasons you did it? Mm-hmm. um what is the reasons you want to stay if that's what you're saying like it needs and, and you know generally it means you get a, a therapist a couples counselor and because mm-hmm. you're gonna have to have a real conversation if, if it's something where both of you are saying okay we want to get past this
2: because
1: mm-hmm. if it happened in the first place something's wrong and again like you said there are many variables i don't know if uh, you know some people have get wasted and they become a different person and, and something happens that's different yeah. people have just an emotional affair where they nothing physical happens but because there are partner is so you know vacant you know whether they're away and on um, work all the time or whatever the situation is you could you could justify different ways mm-hmm. um, but then the day if you're going to continue there doesn't be full open honesty from both parties mm-hmm. and that's also i think very challenging especially when you're the one doing the betrayal because it means you have to totally. be honest with yourself too
0: mm-hmm. that's the hardest thing i think to be honest with yourself yeah. and two also so bringing in kind of that betrayal and like the knowledge of it to my current relationship, that's where honesty is the cornerstone of our relationship. And definitely for me, that's definitely where part of the reason for that, or one of the reasons for that, I should say. (laughs) And so, and I've told Sam a bunch of, I mean, literally everything. So there's embarrassing stories. There's really like stuff that I felt a lot of shame for that I've shared with her and I've done it not right away up front, But like definitely like upfront instead of like, hey, find out about this later to like be honest and transparent because, hey, this is I did this then I feel this way about it. And to have it all out there, because I don't at least for me personally now, I'm sure this depends. But for me, like full honesty is definitely the strongest foundation for Samantha's and my relationship.
1: You mean first date? You didn't just unload it all on the table. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we were very honest from the get go, but no, I didn't say like the, the real the real bad stuff. I didn't I didn't throw that on the table right away.
1: <laughs> no, I, I would I would one hundred percent agree though. You know, honestly, um, I think any successful relationship uh, needs honesty mm-hmm. and full honesty. Uh, now, like and and said, friendships too. Yeah, no, definitely. Like you know, just a hap- quick.
0: Oh, so sorry. Just a quick anecdote. Right. I think you and I too. So you and I were obviously young enough at some point, but then recently. On my bachelor party, we kind of were all honest about our things. And I think it's made our relationship substantially better and kind of has a new life and there's a new connection, I feel.
1: Without a doubt, um, you know, all relations, all connections between human beings, if we want it to actually be worth something and to last, we need honesty. Mm. Because if there's if there's lies, if there's, you know, being fake with someone else, then you're not truly having a a real connection. You're not going to get as much out of it and it won't last realistically. And so, yeah, we, you know, with us as a friendship, like definitely it's, it's improved it by a lot because just having the open conversation, you know, quiets down the mind reading, it quiets down, uh,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, the, the self thoughts of, okay, this must be, must be what was going on mm-hmm. even though I have no idea, you know? Totally. So stuff like that. It's if we can just be on, op, open and honest with each other. And that also means honest with, okay, this is what I think is going on or, you know, you know, being willing to ask tough questions, awkward questions, uncomfortable questions. Um, not being afraid of confrontation, you know, stuff mm-hmm. like that is part of honesty too, because yeah, you can also say I'm, I'm honest all the time, but if I'm not asked, I'm not going to say something, mm-hmm. you know, omission is a form of dishonesty. I, I believe when totally. it, when it
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, even in familiar relationships, you know, I think we both have had circumstances now with our, our, our families, our parents, where honesty as adults has helped heal at least somewhat. Absolutely. Kids.
0: Yes, I think um, substantially.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely close to my parents now than I was in my teens and early 20s. And I'm pretty sure you told me that you're, you feel the same way. I do. Um, and that's, that came through honest, hard conversations. Mm-hmm. So yes, it uh, honesty is. is important, but especially if it's your partner that you want to spend, you know, at least a good portion of your life with and you're going to spend your days with in and out living with them. Uh, you need honesty. So, what would you say is a uh, what? What was the turning point? Going back to your your, your big failed relationship that mm-hmm. led to you being here. What was the turning point that not only made you want to be honest about what's going on, but being ready to break away? Was was it end up being your decision? Was it her decision? I mean, obviously, you had to let her know what was going on.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: What what led to that, and then allowed you to be okay? I'm willing to be on my own again. I'm willing to let her go so she can recover from the damage that you did and all that good stuff. What, what caused that?
0: There wasn't a one specific turning point, turning point. It was a combination. So there's obviously a long on and off relationship that was fairly, I don't know, fairly obvious, but like pretty obvious it wasn't going anywhere. So that was a factor. I think the biggest factor though, was my own personal journey and therapy. So really what it came down to was, I think honestly, at the very, very base level, I think self-worth was the biggest turning point. So I didn't feel worthy for a very long time. And then working through therapy, analyzing all the different situations that I'd done, that I'd been through all that, that enabled me to see my self-worth again. And then once I saw that, I was able to kind of more honestly look at myself. Hey, I made multiple mistakes and bad mistakes and I'm hurting this person. Then I could kind of take a step back and objectively look at it and hey, what am I doing here? Am I here for a good reason? Or am I here just because... I'm stringing it along. I still feel bad about it, this or that. I That's the reasons to be with the person weren't the right reasons. Mm -hmm. So once it hit that, and it was super scary to do it, like that's when I broke it off. And I like, and that was the other thing too. I had to let go of the fact like, hey, here's the big, a big thing for me was I had to let go of the fact like, hey, I really hurt this person and I can't do anything to fix it. You know that definitely is a selfish thing yeah. too, but there was a big thing part of me where it's like, hey, like I have to like break up with this person to allow them to heal themselves. And while I basically left this person with a ton of damage, um, they like it's not my job, and it would be worse for me to kind of try and stay and, and heal that.
1: Oh, definitely. Um, it I almost would say that you're being a little too hard on yourself. So, you know, it's it's selfish. To say, hey, it's not my job. It's you know, like, like you said, it would be worse if you stayed around, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I truly think that in those kind of situations, you know, full separation is important. Yes. You know, you oh, have, yeah. you have oh, people like yeah, yeah. and relationships that try to stay friends, like I'm going to still be here support you. It's like, you're just continuing the damage. Mm-hmm. Like you need to let them get away from you kind of a mm-hmm. thing, you know, because um, they're the only ones you're going to be able to re- recover from that point. And because you're the one that, that did the damage, you can't be the one that helps them. Yes. Especially if you can't be there for them. Exactly.
0: That's so. And then too, so you bring up when you said that I'm being a little too hard on myself, there's an interesting point too that helped me a lot because basically I went through this personal journey and then I looked at that relationship and I kind of, I had black and white thinking. I was like, it's all bad because I messed up so bad and I did all this damage. When I was able to kind of take a step back, I was like able to see, yes, I did do this. Yes, that was bad. Yes, I did do a bunch of damage. But there was this whole body of like great work as well, or like things I had done well or helped out with, you know, so that as well, like objectively, like looking at both of those helped as well, because it's not like not looking at it like, oh, I messed this up so bad if I could just do a little thing to fix it. Like it's good as being able to let go of that and being like, OK, there was bad actions I did, but there was a bunch of great things I did well. And this person is a fully capable person. They're going to be able to go through this. Hopefully at some point, see that objectively. And then they'll be able to heal themselves. Hopefully heal themselves.
1: Hopefully. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: I, think, I think in some way we all heal in our own time. Um, mm-hmm. Doesn't mean the cracks don't still show.
0: <laughs> yeah. I would. I have to push back a touch on that, depending, as long as you, if you work on it, for sure. Because there's been interesting sayings I've heard over the year, years. Like time heals all scars and all this stuff. From my just personal experience and what I've witnessed in the world, if you, I kind of visualize it as like a wound. If you don't go back and like clean out the wound and like analyze it, discover, like explore the feelings and all that, I don't think it'll ever truly heal. So you could be like, oh, that thing, yeah, yeah, I don't remember that thing 15 years ago. But if a similar situation popped up, you go right back into the feelings you had. So I think it's important for people in whichever way they feel like you're saying any way to go back and really analyze and kind of clean out that wound. And then I think you could fully heal. Like there'll be a scar there, but the scars are really just like lessons. Yeah.
1: Well, I'd agree with that. I, you know, it's almost like, a, like almost added value in a weird way. You know, if you have a, an anti base that ha- gets cracks in it, mm. but is able to be repaired, like if you can still see those cracks, um, that's just part of its history. You know, the Liberty Bell has a crack in it, right? But that's part of its history now. And it's like, hey, it's a crack in the Liberty Bell. It's like a crazy thing. So uh, as, as people, uh, we are, as some of our experiences, good and bad. Mm-hmm. So if, if you were able to truly scrub out an experience, I think it would take away from what you have to offer.
0: Yes. Yeah, I agree. And that's why, too, I'm going to, or I was saying earlier, how if I, I mean, I don't think, let's say I hadn't betrayed a relationship prior. Like, hopefully I'd be at a strong enough spot to not cheat on my wife. But I think with that experience prior, I know for sure, because I know both sides of the coin. I know how bad it can get. And so there's no, with that type of thing, there's no like gray area. Like, hey, because before, even if I wasn't cheating on, I was like, hey, I'd flirt with people and like, and all this stuff and just be too friendly. You know, nowadays I'm like, no, no, no. Like I know exactly where that little step leads. So none of that, you know, and that's been even just little things where before I think, Oh, this girl said something nice. Like I'm going to say something overly nice back and maybe flirt a little bit. Nowadays it's like, Nope, Nope. And like, it's, doesn't matter if it, never not to be mean, but to like, doesn't matter if it hurts them a little bit like, Oh, Hey, they said something nice. Like I don't feel obligated to say something back. Cause I know 100%. what that little step can like lead to in the future. A hundred percent.
1: Um, yeah. And like you said, I mean, that's probably what led up to the first act of betrayal anyway. Right. And you said mm-hmm. you were being yes. patient with those things because you thought you could walk the line and it'd be okay, but mm-hmm. you walked the line long enough. Eventually you fall off on the wrong side of it. Like, yep. That's just that's just proven in most people's lives. Um, some people can walk it for longer periods of time, but eventually people stumble. Mm-hmm. I think it's part of why they call it a stumble, right? Like you're, you're messing up and something happens. So, um, you know, I'm a big believer and if you, uh, you really don't want something to happen. You don't put yourself in situations where it can happen.
2: Yes. Excellent and so point. that's
1: that's what you practice now is you're like, all right, I'm not even going to, I'm not going to allow this flirtatious conversation to continue or anything yeah, like yeah. that, where it's totally innocent from a face value, but I know where it can lead. Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah. So I, put I, a, I
0: put a stop to it instantly. Yeah. Instantly. That's it's good. so interesting because I can almost going through my life now, especially when I was working at the restaurant, I can almost like watch myself in third person and like, be like, before I would have done this, but now I'm doing this super interesting to see.
1: That shows a lot of growth. <laughs> a Thank lot you. of growth.
0: Thank you. Um, I've, worked, I've worked hard on it.
1: Yeah. Cause I mean, it's, it's real easy to think that you are big enough and strong enough to do whatever you want as long as you're not doing the full action.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, totally.
1: Um, So it's a big, it's a big self check to be like, Nope, not even these little things. mm mm-hmm not
0: these little yeah. things that ties into two kind of, I think what you were saying earlier, the emotional, um, what was the word? Emotional cheating.
1: Yeah. So like an emotional affair.
0: Yes. Yeah. 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 Cause that, they're obviously physical is kind of the one everyone thinks about, but yeah. when I'm talking about those little steps, that's like a little emotional affair, even if it's super mundane from the get go, like, that's what I mean. That little thing, that's a little crack that you don't want to explore that, yeah. that I stay away from.
1: Well, it's almost, it's almost a seed of, uh, it's going to later lead to mm. more, you know, mm. like I said, even if it's a little, cause you can have full on emotional affairs. I truly believe that there are some emotional affairs that get to the point where they're more damaging than any physical affair could be, mm. um, where you just, you end up falling in love with a person because you've connected with them on that level. Um, and then it, once that happens, your, your current relationship's done, mm. there's, there's no hope for it. Um, but you know, it's the little ones, it's the little flirtatious things. It's the, the thoughts of things. It's the allowing an, an una- inappropriate friendship basically to grow into something more um that is the seed so if you say okay I'm just do a little flirtation that becomes more conversations that becomes hanging out with them you know one-on-one that becomes this and that before you know it, you have a couple of drinks and you've already done all the groundwork mm-hmm. yep. you know it's the groundwork you do when you're single and dating mm. you're doing the same thing but you're telling yourself it's not going to lead to that way because you're in a serious relationship
0: but you're doing the same exact thing
1: but you're doing the groundwork you're, you're doing what she did like i i know i have spent a long time since i was single and i know what the groundwork is mm-hmm. so when someone's like oh i'm, I'm going to move <laughs> this person it's like you're going to move with just that person what about your partner like yeah how is that okay mm-hmm. um or i say i spent three hours talking with them they're, they're all this it's you're doing you're doing the groundwork to lead to a serious relationship even if it never gets physical you are you're cheating on someone emotionally, mm-hmm. realistically, it'll, if you continue doing it that way, it's going to lead to physical cheating. Mm-hmm. But I, I think there's more damage. I think we've mentioned this in one of our other conversations that there's more damage in, you know, building a truly emotional affair than a drunken blackout hookup. Yes. Cause the drunken blackout hookup means, okay, I've got a problem with alcohol or I got a problem with drugs. I can fight that problem and it never has to happen again. Mm-hmm. And that's something that, you know, I, I would think would be a little easier if you really want to stay with the person you're with and they're willing to work on it with you to get past. Cause totally. you know, I know firsthand blacking out, you become someone, you become a different person.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I used to does. not believe it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like, no, know, no, I I'm different. That. No, no, I, I used to, cause people would tell me these things before, you know, when I was young and never had any personal experiences, I'd be like, okay, you're just making an excuse. You're still you. It's like, yeah, you're still you, but you've lost all inhibitions, mm-hmm. which inhibitions are a good thing. <laughs> they, they keep are. us from, from being completely animalistic.
0: They keep us uh, safe.
1: They keep us safe from doing stupid things all the way around for to ourselves mm-hmm. and others. So, you know, if, if you truly are in a situation where you weren't you anymore, because you took down all your inhibitions because of becoming inebriated, that's a, that's becomes a truly physical thing. Now, of course, unless it's with someone that you already did the groundwork for, mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a different story uh-huh. and variables, but yeah. So that that something to me is something you could truly get past in a relationship and a partnership, versus you know building something over months of time of late night conversations of hey not one on one and maybe nothing physical even's happened yet before you know it they're professing their love to you or you're truly feeling strong feelings towards them. That's going to be harder to recover from.
0: Mm-hmm. And putting on my therapist hat here for a quick second, um, it all really depends too. Like these are obviously our opinions, but like yeah. on the couple or the the partners themselves, if they want to get through something, they if they think they can get through it, that is totally on them. All this stuff is obviously our personal experience or personal, yeah, experience,
1: if experience and opinions based on the experience. Opinions, thank you. you know, I, I would never. Uh, I have a lot of opinions, <laughs> whether people want <laughs> them or not, but I would never say that the majority of them are facts because uh, I know everyone's different. Um, and I know I've done some things and I have some personal experiences that people would look at and say would disagree with my viewpoints on them,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but it's worked out for me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So it is what it is. You know, my current relationship did not have a fairy book beginning.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> By the contrary, and if someone else told me they were going through what I went through in the beginning parts of my relationship, I would say that's a bad idea. What oh, yeah. are you doing? But 10 years later, I'm happier than ever. So
0: mm-hmm. why'd you guys, uh, if you don't mind? Why'd you guys choose to stay even with uh like a rocky beginnings or kind of coming from interesting uh areas
1: um I mean the rocky beginning was more just uh you know the the romantic side of we were friends first the romantic mm-hmm. side of relationship started you know i would say had a alcohol had a big play in it. Mm-hmm. so the the physical side of our relationship was furned on by alcohol and stuff like that, which I would say traditionally speaking is a bad start for relationship
2: mm-hmm. totally
1: um you know and uh just to be completely honest, she, she was, she had a romantic relationship with one of my very good friends at the time in Mm -hmm. the past. Mm -hmm. Um, another thing that I would say, you know, the, the bro code or whatever, and that's a little silly, Mm -hmm. but I do believe in some level you, you shouldn't be with your friends. Anything like that, that gets messy.
2: Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of red flags.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. There are a lot of red flags, but I think we also just connect. I think it helped that we were friends first. We could, we could hang around each other without the need for a physical connection. Um, I think the physical connection took it to the next level as far as the intimacy of it all and all that. And it just got to the point where, you know, cause we did try to break it off several times before it became publicly official. Mm. We had multiple conversations like, all right, we can't do this again. <laughs> I, remember, I, remember, <laughs> I love it.
0: We for, like still naked. Like we, we, there's no way we're doing this again. No way. Many
1: times more than once. <laughs> Um, In fact, one of the last times I tried to say we can't do this again. Later that day, I invited her to my parents' house for my little brother's birthday. Yeah, I love it. (laughs) Like, hey, you know, I know we just said we shouldn't, you know, but this can work on our friends thing. But part of that was me just being (laughs) like, you are important enough to me that I want you to be around my family now.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, And it wasn't long after that, that we decided, okay, um, doesn't matter what the beginnings were and the red flags were like, I want to be in a relationship with you.
0: I think it's really cool from the outside looking in, kind of like with quote-unquote the red flags and like kind of the struggles initially that you guys have this what I would call love like that kind of pulled you through everything so hey there's this yeah. factor here like you were with uh, or like you were with a close friend of mine like oof usually that's not a thing but you're like no no no, we love each other too much like maybe not verbalize that at the time but we love each other too much and there's multiple times okay we really got to stop doing this but still like just the love like carried you through all of that which I think is really cool Yeah,
1: it's a very romantic way to look at it. And I do like that looking at that way. And at the time, (laughs) that's what I was feeling like, you know, I want to be with you too much for any of this other stuff to matter. Mm -hmm. But again, from an outside perspective, if someone else was telling me all these things, I would probably counsel them. I'm like, all right, well, be careful. (laughs) You know,
2: totally.
1: Yeah. Because I would say, majority of times, people in a similar situation, it won't work well. It will end ugly. It'll end bad and all that stuff. But, you know, we got through that. We got official and, you know, got better and better from there. And so I think it did help us grow. I think the biggest takeaway though, from that was it's the fact that we were able to have a friendship first and we just kind of cultivated on top of that.
2: Mm -hmm. That's huge.
1: Yeah. Most of my my romantic relationship before that was like, this girl's attractive. I'm going to ask her out and then start a relationship off of it. Mm -hmm. So you have these physical beginnings versus a, this is someone I actually like being with. And I
0: and I want to get physical. <laughs> the, also, that's the cherry yeah. on top. That's it. That's exactly how my wife and I felt. We started as friends, and I think too that's such like you're saying. That's kind of that's such a good focal point to start on because, like you said, it's hey, I want to be around you. I like whatever you're like the way you talk, your opinions. Mm-hmm. Like I like just being with you and having conversations with you. Once that's there, because technically, if you and I are looking down the road, we're both in our 30s, 30 plus, like 30 plus years from now, we'll be in our 60s. I doubt we'll be as physical as we are now with our partners. And so there's come a time yeah, where you're not- Physical be-
1: at all. What's that? <laughs> Is it, it physical, physical at all? At all.
0: <laughs> Dude, my body's not going to work at that
1: age for it's sure. failing already, man. <laughs> my knees are shit.
0: But having that focal point. So that's, I think, really cool too, to like, look at a relationship. And I feel solid in Samantha and my longevity because of that. So it's like, hey, 40 years down the road, even hypothetically, I hope this doesn't happen tomorrow one of us is in a horrific car accident and then we can just talk the rest of our lives i'm in i'm all in because i know we have that foundation of friendship now romantic and everything it's this whole kind of culmination of the most important things that have this to me an amazing relationship
1: Uh, totally agree um you know your partner shouldn't be just someone you want to sleep with Mm -hmm. yeah and that's what's interesting go ahead i was gonna say if that's all you're getting out of it then it's not gonna last there's just no way
0: that's where it's interesting, too, is because especially when it starts physical, you know, that's kind of the core of the relationship, which is, I mean, realistically, how probably I would assume a lot of relationships start, especially when you and I are kind of talking about failed relationships. We're talking more of our younger relationships. Yeah. You know? Definitely where those start. So You have the physical and anytime the physical is not perfect or there, it seems like the whole relationship is in shambles. Yeah. You know, and then, two, if there's not. Like it's interesting too because depending on the person, when you get physical with the person, you were. I've had relationships in the past where they changed dramatically right away, and so I don't know what it is honestly. If the if there's like a new vulnerability that came up because people were getting physical, but it definitely changed the relationship, which is an interesting point.
1: I mean, because you know, as much as people want to deny it, I physicality i think is one of the highest forms of intimacy you know you can't get more you can't be more vulnerable than being fully naked with someone and you can't be more connected than being against someone Mm
2: -hmm. you
1: know so uh as much as people want to downplay sex sex is very intimate Mm
2: -hmm.
1: now there are ways to make it less but we won't get into that but (laughs) it's (laughs) it's a very uh, very intimate act so Mm -hmm. um as much as my i was annoyed my parents were being so overly conservative towards the subject um they weren't entirely wrong mm-hmm. I would agree about about the impact it has on you psychologically and emotionally and all that stuff my first relationship was so uh, damaging and impactful because of uh, sex
0: mm. totally I think just to go on your point you're same with my parents they were very right with a lot of what they said. my one um, gripe with it, which I've shared with my parents, is the the lack of normalizing the behavior. Now, you don't want to be like, hey, son, go sleep with a million people and all this, because that's obviously not good. But I think there's a kind of a like, tight wire to walk as far as like, hey, that's a normal feeling. That's a normal oh. kind of desire for a young man or woman. And then like, hey, here's kind of that, I don't know, outcome or like, Here's the benefits or the negative. Here's the benefits and the negatives. Here's, here's what it is. Like, hey, that's a normal thought, behavior, desire. Here's the pros and the cons of it. You know, I wish there was a little more normalized, which I've
1: shared with my parents that they've been
0: very open with, which is cool. Yeah. Or, or open to receiving.
1: I would agree. If, if not more normalization, less demonization.
0: Yes, that's a good point too.
1: Because, uh, you know, in my, in my house, it was very much uh, premarital sex is sin and therefore don't even think about it don't do it don't think about it Mm -hmm. um and not that my parents were the worst i definitely knew people that had even more conservative parents than mine Mm -hmm. um looking the parents were willing to talk about it although at the time i was not willing to talk about it with them yeah Mm -hmm. um but yeah it was more of a just as demonized thing i mean even i remember you and me getting forced to thanks to you and your parents uh a a sex related christian conference basically oh yes at bible college oh was was that a biola yeah biola university it was
0: like what it was wasn't it like a conference where we had to like sit in like a auditorium and there was like it was like multiple workshops
1: yeah like they had they had several conference sessions it was like i think a two two two-day thing and multiple workshops on abstinence on promiscuity on homosexuality and you know that's a whole other story but it's just it's because it's so normal and mankind has been sleeping together since the dawn of mankind, that's how we procreate.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it's a little silly to, to make it such a off, off the table topic.
0: Yes. Yes. Dude, we know how to party a Christian <laughs> sex conference. Dude, what are you doing this week? I'm going to a Christian sex conference. Let's go. Oh, there's, there's going to be, be graphs and here. drawings.
1: <laughs> I do remember you and me thinking like, well, at least maybe there'll be some cute girls we can hit on. While we're Dude, yeah uh not that there ended up being really anything worthwhile there but uh it yeah. was um that was interesting
0: that to it say was that. And i forgot about that yeah my bad my bad uh, oh man but yeah okay so we've been going for a minute do you want to um i don't really dive too much into yours did you share your kind of uh remind me if you did your biggest takeaway from basically being betrayed and being cheated on in your relationship, bringing it to your relationship. Now I know you talked oh. about the trust yeah. and trust. You're like, Hey, I trust, but there was like a subconscious, not like a distrust, but like the way you were acting or responding was definitely seemingly distrustful.
1: I'd say it's probably the biggest thing and it's something I'm still currently learning because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm fairly new to therapy, but it's something I'm going through and being able to talk it out with someone who is completely subjective and educated has been nice um, cause I'm very, uh, I don't know what the word is for it, but I, uh, I always thought I could just fix my own problems.
0: Yeah. I got you. Self-sufficient. Um,
1: I, I see myself as a fairly intelligent man and, uh, <laughs> and a very rational man. So I was figuring, you know, that there's something going on and I can identify it, it's no big deal, but you know, sometimes it's being willing to admit that you can't identify anything and someone else might identify it for you. Um, so I think trust is the biggest thing. Um, trust and I'd say more so fear, um, the fear of being abandoned, the fear of being rejected, the fear of being betrayed again. Um, as much as I want to think, I mean, honestly, I think part of that is why it took me so long to make it official with my now wife mm-hmm. um, why I didn't make it early on. Because at that time, you know, part of me hooking up with her before it became publicly official, it wasn't just the fact that, you know, she was my friend's ex and and all that. It was that I wasn't ready to make a commitment with anyone.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I had a long string of girlfriends who were not my girlfriend. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that whole line of thinking at that time was mostly out of hurt. Um, and then also out of fear of, okay, well, my, that relationship that really wanted to work didn't. Um, so no, I'm about to get into another one and anyone else's feelings be damned.
0: Yeah. Oh, and the fear of being hurt again.
1: Yeah. hundred mm-hmm. um, percent. Cause that, that's very much there. And I think it, and I'm realizing now, I think it still is very much there um, you know, through nightmares and stuff like that, where that's kind of stuff's happened to me, um, is still is making a play. Mm -hmm. But, um, but yeah, so I think that's the biggest thing is, is recognizing my fear of, of all that. And then being willing to truly on like a deep level, trust someone to the point where even if I have those fears, I'm able to let them go. Mm -hmm. But it's something I'm still learning to work on, I'd say for sure.
0: totally. Excellent. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Therapy is so huge for everything. That subjective, educated person, I think it's it's so beneficial to everyone. I'm not gonna argue with it. Yeah. I mean, I <laughs> again I wasn't always the
1: person that thought therapy was for everyone, at least at least not for me. You know, I was one mm-hmm. of those people. But um, you know, I don't see how it it couldn't hurt anybody. And I think if someone was truly willing to be open, even if they don't think they have anything they want to work on, I think everyone can benefit.
0: Totally. Just another perspective is beneficial to everything. Yeah.
1: Yeah. An outside perspective that isn't you. Exactly. You've lived with your own voice in your head for your whole life. (laughs) Mm. It's sometimes good to have an outside voice.
0: Well, it's very interesting too what we take for granted just on a day-to-day basis or even in a relationship where it's like you've said, preconceived notions or stuff we've brought in for other relationships. And so simply what's helped me a lot is just another person pointing it out hey, why are you assuming this here? I was like, wait a second, I'm assuming something? Oh, I am assuming something. Whoa, whoa, whoa where does this come from? And then you go, just literally someone pointing something out can make such yep. a big impact.
1: Oh, and that would happen in a lot of, you know, my wife and I's arguments is, you know, she would point out something after the fact, but once I've calmed down... <laughs> I can, I can fully see it. And I'm like, you're, you're right. Like, But it's the problem is in, in the moment you don't see it. And that's mm-hmm. where therapy can really help because you can start working on things when you're not heated, when you're not overly emotional, when you're not feeling impassioned by whatever topic you're discussing with uh, expecting to be able to stay rational in those times, I think is, um, is unfair to yourself. Mm-hmm. So it's important to have discussions, to have, you know, thought experiments to have these things happen when you're just meditating on it. You're just thinking, you're just, you know, calm (laughs) Mm. that way you can truly work on yourself so when the things do happen you're now better prepared
0: what's interesting too that all is true and then in addition being able to slow down while you're having the argument i know for me if i get better at something whether it be paintball or whatever it is like things seem to slow down Mm. things seem to not go fast same thing with like a discussion or an argument like heated discussion or an argument like everything slows down so i can think while we're going through it, as opposed to like you're saying, either an impassioned argument or something instead of just reacting, I can take a second, like, okay, I'm feeling this. I can react in this way. I've reacted this way before. Was that helpful? Was that detrimental? That's it's a very important thing to me is that it slows down so you can think through it while you're living through it as well.
1: 100%. And it's something I'm still currently working on, very much so. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, we you know a self check in is important.
0: Mm-hmm. Awesome, man. Well, I think any closing thoughts before we wrap up?
1: Uh, No, just that, uh, like how we talked about earlier with, especially with you is just, you know, self-worth is important. Being okay with yourself is important and Mm. recognizing when what we're doing is not, in not only our best interest, but the person with best interest, it's time to be open to us. So continue being willing to be open and be honest.
0: I agree. I think self-worth is the most important thing. Honesty is super key like we've touched on today. So also I think too, in the future, I think uh, a podcast on nightmares would be fascinating because I have had quite the nightmares as I'm sure you have too.
1: Oh yeah. That would be fun. (laughs) (laughs) That would (laughs) be painful in a good way. Yeah. Let's throw some of that up.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Awesome. Well, TJ, thank you again, folks. If you're still listening, any reviews on Spotify or iTunes would be awesome. Also, if you're on YouTube, thumbs up would be great and subscribe. That'd be awesome. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll be back next week. See you.